0: And for those of you who are, uh, who are brand new to church or maybe brand new to Bible study, those, those names that were just mentioned are the greatest names of men and women of faith that we find from Genesis to Revelation. But, but they were all people who, who were seriously, um, deficient spiritually. They, they were not perfect. They were not the best. They were probably not the most talented. But even in the life that they lived, God decided to use them. And here's what I want to say this morning. Our church this month, uh, has worked to make a difference all over the world, and, and, and we have. For those of you who were here last week, uh, you met our ministry partner from India. You met some of the girls. Um, we were able to read you their names and tell you some of the stories that we support uh, on a daily basis in India. Uh, we've had ministry teams serving in downtown Kansas City all this month, locally in Lee Summit on December 3. We're going to take a crew of 15 or 20 down to Joplin, and we're going to work an entire day in Joplin. Our church is making a difference as a church. But what you need to understand this morning is that every person in this room, uh, qualified or unqualified spiritually, and if the truth were to be known, all of us are unqualified spiritually. But everyone in this room was created to make a difference spiritually. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, specifically making a difference in God's church. You were handed when you walked in a little sermon outline that looks like this. I want you to pull it out now. And our key text today is actually in the book of Ephesians. That's a New Testament book. But we're going to start in the book of Revelation and then we're going to jump back to Ephesians. Now every week at our church, if you did not bring your Bible, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. They have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you can take this one and keep it forever. If you just forgot your Bible today, you can use this and give it back at the end of the service. But every Sunday we're going to open God's. Word. We're going to read it. We're going to study it. We're going to learn some of it. So if, if you have a Bible, bring one. If not, we would love to give you one. We've given away more than 100 Bibles to people in our church over the uh, over the last 10 weeks. For those of you who are brand new, this is only the 10th service that our church has had since grand opening. Uh, and, and we are a church that, that believes we were created to make a difference in the world. And you are people who I know were created to make a difference in the world. And, and I want you to look specifically at the title on your sermon notes that we gave you today, because I want to differentiate right right up front. I want you to understand what I'm talking about today, because I'm not trying to get anyone in the room to do anything specifically for this church, Journey Church International. I want you to see the title of today's message. The title of our Bible study today is I Serve God's Church. This message is not about what you can do here. This message is about what you should do for the rest of your life at whatever church you're at. In, in Christianity, we talk about the big C church and the little C church. I, I want you to say the word big. Say the words big C church. Say that. Big church. One more time, big C, big C church. That capital C church. When we talk about the big church, we're talking about all the denominations in the world, all the countries of the world, all the states of the world put together. We're talking about one organization that Jesus ordained in Matthew chapter 16 to touch the world. Now there are a lot of what we call little C churches. Just individual local churches. We have a little church here, but we're part of God's bigger church that's been going on for 2,000 years and that will go on forever uh, until until the world ends. So what I'm talking to you today about is, is principles of the big C church. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'm going to have a church that's going to look like this. And 2,000 years later, Jesus said the church should still look like this. This is how you as a Christian, regardless of whether you go to this church or another church, regardless of whether you've never been to church, and this is the first church you've ever gone to, or whether you have just left the church, or whether you haven't been to church in 10 or 12 years, regardless of if you leave today and don't go back for another 20 years. This is what you, as a Christian, are supposed to engage in as you get into church. How you serve, not just this church, but God's church. And we're going to look at in Ephesians chapter 4, but before we do that, I want to look at Revelation chapter 2. Really interesting story as, as we look back to Revelation chapter 2. Now, for those of you who haven't studied the Bible a lot, Revelation is what we call the end times book. It's a prophecy book. It gives us tons of information about the very end of the world. And, it, and it's a fascinating study. One day at our church, we'll, we'll go through verse by verse the book of Revelation and all our minds will be blown with what we learn in prophecy. But the first three chapters are, are not futuristic. They're, they're historic. Uh, in in, in Revelation chapter one, two, and three, Jesus is writing a letter to some churches, seven churches specifically, about what they need to do better. In a Revelation chapter two, starting in verse one, and we'll go through verse seven, he writes a, a letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, why are we going to read this letter? Because we're going to study the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus, so we're, we're talking about the same place. Ephesians was written about 50 years before the book of Revelation, maybe 40 years. So we're talking about the exact same church. And I want you to see what happened to the church, but what Jesus said about the way they began, because it'll it'll give us a good foundation for Ephesians chapter 4. To the angel, I mean Revelation 2 verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. That's Jesus. Verse 2, I know your deeds. I know your hard work and I know your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked men, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and endured hardships for my name and you've not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you have a Bible, I want you to underline those words, you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Because the only way we're going to be able to understand that is to know what they did at first. Remember the height from which you fall and repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That means I, I, basically I'll remove your church. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him who gets it right, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, here's what's really interesting about this. Jesus writes to the church in, in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. This church has been going on for about 50 years. So, this church is about 50 years old. And Jesus says this to the church in Ephesus When your church first started, it was awesome. And you all were doing everything you needed to do. And you still, by all outside appearances, you still have a wonderful church. You're, you're, like, your services are really good. And your doctrine, I mean, you, you teach a lot of really good stuff. But he said you've lost the heart that you had at the very beginning. And because you've lost the heart, if you don't get your heart back for the way you started your church, your church is going to go away. And guess what? Now there is no church in Ephesus. Ephesus is in, in Asia Minor, and it, it, it is overpopulated uh, with Muslim churches. There's not even a, a Christian church anywhere in Ephesus. So Jesus was right. If you don't do what you used to do, You're not going to do anything at all. Now, what did they used to do? Flip back to Ephesians chapter 4 if you have your Bible, because we're we're going to answer that question. Of the seven churches in the book of Revelation that uh, Jesus had a message from, the only one who also had another New Testament letter written to it is Ephesians. So, Jesus could say a lot about the church at Sardis and Laodicea, and he could say things to the church in Philadelphia, but we don't know anything about those churches. They're not really listed in the book of Acts when they were founded. They're not listed anywhere in the epistles. No letter was written to them. But Ephesians, we, we know about the church at Ephesus. We know how it started. We know who the leaders were. We know what made it great. And eventually, we, we know why it failed. We know all that about the church in, in Ephesus. And what we find out in the book of Ephesians is we find out how a church is properly structured. And that's, that's kind of what we're looking at as we dig into Ephesians chapter 4 today. What does a healthy church Look like What does a church that has jesus at the forefront of a church look like? What is a church that that is more than just a sunday morning service look like? What is a church that does more than just teach the bible look like? How is it structured and for two years? I asked myself that question. What is a new testament church? Look like. What did the church in the book of Acts look like? What did the church in Ephesus look like? And the churches of Galatia and the church in Rome and all these letters that we that we wrote. And we've actually at our church we've tried to structure our church around four things that I believe the New Testament church was centered around. And we call these the four E's at our church. And I don't know if you've got a PowerPoint slide for that. Yeah, you do. You, you'll you'll see banners. You'll see this on our website. When when you look at the the church in Ephesus, how it began, it was structured around four things. Uh, It was structured around experiencing god in the book of acts They had big weekend worship services where god was glorified praise and worship was sung The disciples taught the bible and what it meant So they had they had a big weekly experience where they came together once they engaged in relationships it says that after they, they left church, they would sometime during the week, they would meet in homes and get to know each other. And they would study the Bible together and they form friendships. That's why we have small groups. Right now, seven of them that meet literally all over the city in Kansas and Missouri uh, and, and, you know, as, as far north almost as the plaza and as far south uh, as, uh, as Westline Road down in Midway. I mean, we're, we're kind of stretched all over the place because we believe that real relationships happen outside the church building in homes as people get to know each other. So we said real churches engage people in real relationships. Real churches embrace serving. And that's what we're going to learn in Ephesians chapter 4, that the secret of the church in Ephesus was that everyone knew they were created to make a difference and everyone did what they were supposed to do. And the whole church, they didn't serve the pastor, they didn't serve the church, they served God at their church, and it made it a really exciting church and then the church should be equipped with a plan to grow spiritually. You should know, here's where I am spiritually, here's where the Bible says, says I need to go, and here's how I get there. On, on Wednesday afternoon, I'll throw my, my wife and my kids in the car, and we'll get on, uh, on I-70, and we'll drive to St. Louis, and then we'll hit, hit I-55, and we'll head to my mom and dad's just south of Chicago. We know where we are, we know where we need to go, and we've got a map of how to get there. A lot of you know where you are spiritually, you know where you'd like to be, but you don't know how to you don't know how to get from point A to point B. So a church should provide you those things. So that's our church is built around those four things. Why? Because we find out that's how the church of Ephesus that Jesus said used to be a great church was structured. In Ephesians chapter four, we read this. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians four. I'll start in verse seven. We'll go through verse thirteen, um, and we'll, we'll jump around a little bit, and then we're going to come back and look at. Three truths about serving God's church. What it means to serve God's church. Ephesians 4, I'm starting in verse 7. It says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he laid captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. I want you to jump down to verse 11 now, because that other is is a message unto itself. Verse 11, it was he, still talking about Christ now, still talking about Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, to serve. So that the body of Christ, that's the big C church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and until we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, I want to tell you what The plan is for your life spiritually and I want to show you how you go from where you are to becoming Everything that jesus created you to be And in ephesians 4 verses 7 and 8 and 11 through 13. He told us how to do that He gave us the truths of what I call serving in god's church the big c church This is how we are built to fit into god's world and expand god's world truth number one We're going to look at three First and foremost, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, the first truth of serving in God's church is that it's all in. It's not just the preacher who's supposed to serve. It's not just the greeters who are supposed to serve. It's not just the ushers. It's not just the people who know the pastor. It's not just the people who have been at the church a certain amount of time. It's not just the people who give the most money. It's not just the people who know the Bible the best. According to Ephesians chapter 4, every Christian... Every christian has been gifted to serve There's already something you're good at You don't you, you don't know it yet, but may, you, maybe you don't know how it applies to a church But there's already something you're good at and you're called to serve That means you're good at something and god wants you to do that thing in the church to make his church better That's what ephesians 4 says. you say where exactly does ephesians 4 say that look at verses 7 and 8 Do you have your bible i'm, I'm going to have you underline or circle some words make them stand out In verse 7, it says, but to each one of us. I want you to underline those words, each one of us. That means me. That means you. That means your husband. That means your wife. That means your kids. That means your parents. That means your neighbor. That means the person sitting on your right. That means the person sitting on your left. To everyone, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, that means when he was crucified, he was buried, he resurrected. And then scripture says he went back to heaven after 40 days of walking on earth. When that happened, a process was given whereby everyone who would ever enter God's church, according to scripture, was given gifts to use in God's church. They say, Christian, I, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't know that I have a gift. I don't know that I'm good at anything. Well, according to the Bible, you have some specific thing that you do that you just do naturally. And you're just, you're kind of, you're kind of good at it. Maybe in high school it was athletically. Things just came very easy to you. Maybe it was educationally. You know, you all knew those people who crammed and stayed up all night long and studied for something. And then the guy who walked in and, and you know, just looked at his notes once. And you say, man, why can't I be like that? Why, why can't I be? Um, smart some of you are just gifted though Some of you are wonderful at playing instruments Like I could sit down on this drum set and not make sense I mean it would be like animal You remember animal and the muppets and he just banging around That's what I would sound like as a drummer That's not my gift Danielle opens her mouth My, my wife the blonde here who sings And it sounds good when she sings I, I open my mouth to sing and it does not sound good That gift was not given to me And, and the Bible says that each of us have a gift Every one of us and we've been given that gift so that we can use it to serve. Paul said the same thing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12:7. He said, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That word manifestation, when you look at it, a manifestation, we often use that word. And you know, if you've ever watched Ghost Chasers or any of those shows on TLC, a, a manifestation, according to Webster's Dictionary, is an outward visible expression of something what Paul's telling the church at Corinth is that if you just look at your life, you'll be able to see what you're good at. Others will be able to see what you're good at, and when you find that out, you're supposed to use that in the church somehow. So so let me ask you a question. What are you what are you good at? What do others see you do and they say, "You know what? Man, you're you're really good at that." What's the thing that you do well? What's the thing that you do maybe better Than anyone else, you know, or that you do very easily or that you enjoy doing the most what what thing are you good at? Maybe you're good with uh, with babies And you can have a crying baby on your shoulder and you don't even hear it If you have a crying baby on your shoulder, not only will will I hear it But but, everyone else may hear it as well, but some people, you know will sit in the nursery and they'll have a baby that's diaper is just filled with the worst smelling thing you could ever imagine. And it's screaming and they have Cheerios sticking to their face. And they're just like in their comfort zone and they, they really enjoy that. And it's because God has gifted them maybe to, to serve little people in the church. What are, you, what are you good at? Maybe you're good at technological stuff. And you can, you can wire stuff together and make this sound work the way that it's supposed to. And, you know, I, I get here real early with our sound team, and I carry a lot of this stuff in, but I, I couldn't even begin to hook it up. When I need something fixed at my house, electronically, I call my 10-year-old son. He knows how to work my TV and my DVD player and our video game systems better than I do. So when something doesn't work, I call Christian, and he fixes it for me. I, I'm, just, I'm just not good at, at that type of thing. Maybe you sing well maybe you're good on hands with with hands-on stuff maybe you can build anything do you, do you do you guys know those people who just seem to be able to build anything and like in art class you couldn't even get your paper mache right like when you were in junior high you know i'm just i'm not very artistic at all i can draw stick figures and i don't draw those very well i mean I, i'm just not gifted to do that maybe you're an early morning person do, let me ask, are any of you here early morning people you really enjoy waking waking up before it's light or any of you late night people, you can stay up till 2 or 3 a.m. Um, you know, may, maybe you're an early morning person. You say, well, how, how does making me an early morning person, how can I serve God's church doing that? You know, there's a crew that gets here every morning at 6 a.m., every Sunday morning, 6, 6.30. And some of us fight to get out of bed when the, the truth being, you've been awake for an hour just drinking your coffee and reading the paper. Because that's, that's who you are and that's, that's what you are. See, you've got these little things you've been intrinsically gifted with. To be able to serve in God's church, maybe you're just an overly happy, bubbly person, and you are that type of person because God wanted you to be a greeter in a church. Maybe you're just a naturally angry person, and maybe you're that way because God wanted you to be a deacon in a church. I mean, (laughs) just kidding. I shouldn't have said that, should I? That's that was, that was inappropriate, and I apologize. And in in all fairness, most of the deacons who were mean to me, it was it was usually my fault. Um, you know, apparently they, they, you know, they don't like kids to make out in the sanctuary when it's dark. Um, and that's, you know, it's offensive. Um, you know, but I was like, Danielle, you know, we're, like we're in a church and she was like, I don't care. Um, you know, And I was like, you know, can't we, can we just hold hands? I mean, can we, you know, can we cut, can we just talk? You know, I'm not a piece of meat. Can we just cuddle? You know, I have feelings, We've never had that. I've never had that conversation. I've heard that conversation. I've never been. I've never been given that conversation, but you've been gifted a specific way (laughs) to serve in a specific area. You're laughing because, you know, I'm trouble. See, she tells them on the front row what she's going to do to me after church. So they're all they all tell me all the time. Romans Romans 12 says this about how each of us has been gifted uniquely to, to serve in God's church. Paul now says to the church of Rome, by the way, if you read through his his letters to all the churches, he told all the churches you need to serve for by the grace given to me. I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we though there's many of us, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We, we actually, we function like we're supposed to function when everyone does what they're supposed to do. In the message translation of the Bible, which is a, a real contemporary paraphrase of the New Testament, it says it the way that maybe we can understand it the most basically. It says this, in this way, we're like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of the body, but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So Paul says, listen, you can go try to serve God all over the place, but if you're just a small part of the of the body, if you serve God within a church, not just sisters, but if you serve God within a church, God's work will get done all over the world. You know, I, um, I, I don't know if any of you watch TV, but there's, there's a show that I watch, and every time I say this, I... And I'll continue to do this until you all know me well enough not to judge me by it. But I'm not saying go watch this show. I'm not saying this show is good for you spiritually or bad for you spiritually. But there's a show called NCIS um, that, that Daniel and I watch every now and then. Maybe you've watched that show. It's a, it's a crime show about the naval crime scene investigators, something like that. They, NCIS, CSI, they change all the letters around. Uh, but, but there's an episode, actually a season of NCIS, where the, uh, the guy who works in the morgue his name is Ducky which is which is what, what they call him his name's actually Dr. Mallard but his nickname is Ducky and he keeps getting these bodies sent to him in barrels that have all been chopped up like in little he, he has to put them together like a puzzle i know it's very morbid but i'm but i'm going somewhere with this um and he you know he'll dump these body parts out on the table and he'll every every episode he'll fit them together in a little different way and he puts the hands together and the legs together and the feet together and all that stuff You know, and as I studied this text and I thought about what so many churches look like today, they look like a bunch of body parts that have just been dumped on a table because nobody really knows who they are, what they are, what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to do it. Some people are told they're not good enough to serve in a church or not spiritual enough to serve in a church. They're not qualified to serve in a church. Some people are told they're not wanted. They're not needed. And and it would be like, you know, a, a body that didn't have a hand or a body that didn't have fingers or a head that didn't have ears. To, to have a church where not everyone is engaged in serving. And you know what? There are some things that are done in a church, like the people who show up and put all this stuff together that you'll never know about, you'll never see, but if they didn't show up, you, you would know they weren't here. Have you ever heard a part of your body that you didn't know existed until you heard it? You, I mean, you realize when something's not right. Do you all know what a bursa sack is? It's a, it's a, it, neither did I in, until I popped mine. Um, when I was playing football in, in high school, it's a, it's a little sack of fluid that rests between parts of your body where bone rests upon bone. It's just a little sack of fluid that keeps your bone from hitting bone. You have them all over, but I had one between my shoulder blade and my rib cage that popped. And you can imagine what it feels like when your shoulder blade is rubbing against the bone in your rib cage. It's extremely painful. And of the part of the body that I didn't know about, that I didn't care about, that I didn't know the name, that I would have never understood, when it was missing, I felt it. And a lot of churches today have missing body parts that maybe some church has told you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, um, you're not spiritual enough. And, and there, there are parts of the body that just feel like we're not appreciated, we're not cared about, nobody wants us to serve. And the church today is not what the church should be because it's missing body parts. And, and what the Bible says is that everyone is supposed to get engaged. Everyone is supposed to have a role. N- nobody is just supposed to come up, come in, get here at 1030, sit in a chair, and leave at the final amen. There should be something that you do in God's church. Now, it's going to take a long time to figure, figure out what that is for you. But the point is you need to understand I've been gifted to serve. I've been called to serve. I need to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And it might take us a while to figure out exactly what that is. So truth number number one, according to Scripture, is that we're all in. Everyone is supposed to be engaged in serving in God's church. Truth number two, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is the reason we serve is for spiritual growth, and it's for knowing God. Technically, you don't serve in a church because there's something to do. The spiritual reason we serve is because when we serve, we grow spiritually. And when we serve, we know God better. You say, where does it say that? Verses 11 through 13. Look at verses 11 through 13 if if you still have your Bible open. It was he, that's Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people, that's us, for works of service. That's the stuff we'll do. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up so God's church could be stronger. Why? Why? So that we all reach unity in our faith, and we all reach knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So according to Scripture, Christians shouldn't just serve out of need. We don't have enough people in the nursery, so go work in the nursery. We don't have enough people doing set-up down, so go to set-up teardown. We don't have enough uh, people in the kids' ministry to so go help in the kids' ministry. We don't have enough people getting donuts ready. No, the church shouldn't necessarily serve out of need. Oh, there's something not being done. I need to do it. But you should desire to serve out of obedience and understanding God's purpose for you. That if I serve, I'm actually going to grow spiritually and be better spiritually. And I want you to watch the process now of becoming a Christian and growing spiritually. And to do that, you have to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. So flip back Maybe one or two pages in your Bible. Because Paul's talking us through, in the book of Ephesians, the process of how we grow spiritually and how serving is a part of how we're going to grow spiritually. And watch what he does here. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 8 and go through verse 10. It says, for it's by grace that you've been saved. What is that? That means it's a gift to us is that we have the ability to become a Christian. Not everyone in this room has accepted that gift yet But it's available every day certainly every sunday But every day every moment of your life you can grab on and take hold of salvation So it's a gift that you've been saved through faith means all you got to do is believe Not of yourself. It's the gift of god And it's not by works so that no one can boast for we are god's workmanship Created in christ jesus to do good works Which god prepared in advance for us to do so I want you to watch this process According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we were saved spiritually for good works. That's why we were saved. Saved, forgiven, changed so that we could then go and make a difference. So we were saved for good works according to Ephesians 2.10. After we became a Christian, we were assigned a good work according to Ephesians 4.11. We actually have a job to do. Say, well, how, what, what job am I supposed to do? Well, according to the Bible, you are equipped to do a certain good work. So I don't know what that job is. Only you do. But when you find it, you'll know because it'll make your church experience so much better. After you were equipped for good work, the Bible says there's actually an aim for good works. There's, there's actually an end result. God has a goal for you getting engaged in serving. And what is that aim? That, that his church would be built up. God says the goal of you serving is so that my church becomes better. Now, in case you didn't hear me, let me say that. I was speaking on God's perspective. The goal of you serving at Journey Church International is not so Christians' church can become better. This is not my church. I just preach. That's that's one of the things I've been equipped to do that I do here. That's one of the very few things I do here. I teach and preach. I don't do everything, but that's, that's my job here. But God says when everyone does their thing, his church is built up. So that's the aim of everyone using their gifts to serve. And then the Bible says there's a result of good works. When everyone does what they're supposed to do, here's the result. He said, first, the church is unified. And I want to tell you, if there is one disjointed, ununified thing in the world, it it is the church today. I mean, look at all the denominations and how they hate each other. Look at a church on this corner and a church on this corner and how they'll never work together to do anything even though they say they love and worship the same God. And there's different ways to do things. We're going to do things loud and casual and there's other churches that are going to do things softer and quiet. But if if we're working for the same thing, we ought to work together to be unified. So the Bible says when you serve, you're, you're unified. The Bible says another result of your good work is that you get knowledge. You begin to understand who God is and what it means to you to be a Christian. And after you begin to understand that, you grow to maturity. Basically, that means that we can only meet the Lord's standard for where he wants us to be when we begin serving. And you know what? We're all going to hit kind of walls in our spiritual growth that we have to get over in order to grow more. And one of those great walls is being willing and able to serve and do what you're supposed to do in God's church. You know, I have a friend who's a, uh, who's a doctor who's a real good friend of mine. Um, and he talked about how they learn to do surgery. Because I asked him, you know, how, do you, like, how do you know you're ready, not just passing a test, but how do you know like you're ready to actually operate on someone? And he said, in every surgical thing that I've ever done, he said the process, and he graduated from the, from the University of Missouri Medical School. He said every process we did, he said we would have to watch one. We'd have to go in the emergency room or, or go in a surgery room. We'd have to watch what was being done. And then we would have to do one we'd have to be overseen and actually do one ourselves And then he said it wasn't just doing it where they knew we knew it But he said after we watched one and after we did one we had to teach one And he said after we could teach someone else to do it They knew that we were really ready and prepared To do this And you know most christians never get beyond watching spiritually They watch a lot spiritually. They listen a lot spiritually But they never, you know, you're supposed to go from watching spiritually, learning spiritually to doing spiritually. And then after you get done doing spiritually, you begin to lead others to do spiritually. You know, before I, uh, before I believe God was calling me into ministry, I was in secondary education and I wanted to be a history and a government teacher and coach football. And we had to uh, basically go and have a one week interview at the school we were going to uh, do student teaching at for the semester because I, I was pretty advanced through the education process So I had a school that I went to for a week and monday through friday I was a teacher's assistant in a high school that i'd not been to and I mean I helped do everything from teach stuff to grade assignments to just a little bit of everything And you know what sitting in class after class after class after class in college I learned more in one week doing Just even as a helper doing um teaching than sitting in a classroom and taking notes and passing tests and, um, you know, learning about being a teacher. Once I started actually trying to become a teacher, I learned more doing in one week than I did in two years of school. And we're wired the same way spiritually. You'll begin to grow more spiritually serving than you ever will in a lifetime of just watching. So think of that process. I watch one, I do one, I teach one. The way that I grow spiritually is to teach. People ask me, how'd you learn what you learned spiritually? Usually I've taught it. And then once I've taught it, I, you know, I really get it in, in, in my own heart. How do I feel spiritually? The things that just make me really feel, uh, feel filled up spiritually um, are serving hurting people. You know, when I went to Joplin three days after the tornado, when I go downtown and serve, when I'm able to be with a family at a hospital, when I'm able to get engaged in marriage counseling and help people, that really fills me up spiritually. So I, I, I get knowledge by studying and teaching. I really get my heart filled up by doing, but both of those are serving many of you have never been told to serve or shown how to serve or figured out where you want to serve. And I promise you, if you get engaged in that, your, your Christian experience will, like, go through the roof according to Ephesians chapter 4. So we're all in according to the Bible. We serve so that we'll grow and so that we can know God, not just because the church needs us. And finally, truth, truth number three, the Bible says that every Christian should serve with joy and that churches should serve with friendliness. You know, I made a little joke before about about angry Christians. But man, haven't you all met an angry Christian or two? Maybe some of you are angry Christians. And you know, some people don't want to go to church or become a Christian just because they don't like Christians. And we've said many, many times that we want to be the friendliest church that people have ever been to. And they might not like our music and they might not like our message and they might not like the way we dress. And they may think that I say inappropriate things from the stage every every now and then which I you know I try not to I try not to do too often Um, but uh, but hopefully they'll never leave and say you know they weren't nice to me they didn't care about me they weren't friendly Um, say a lot about our church but you know hopefully people will never say they're not one of the friendliest churches that that we've ever been to why because when you serve you should serve with joy you know, Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah, which is, is is an Old Testament book. And if you stay here long enough, we'll teach through all the great Bible stories and you'll understand all of them for those of you who don't. But Nehemiah had one of the most difficult tasks that was ever given to man. He had to rebuild a city that had been torn down. And as he was doing this and they were working and sometimes they were working and they were at war. It said that they were, war was so close to him that as they were laying brick, it said they literally were laying brick with one hand and they had their sword in their other hand. They had to work one handed Because they thought they were going to be at war like at any minute. But Nehemiah told the people when they were tired, when they were weary, when they worked day after day, week after week, in Nehemiah 8.10, here's what Nehemiah told the people. Go and enjoy your choice food and your sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, we sang that, for those of you who maybe grew up in church, you sang that little song in kids' church. And you know, the joy of the Lord is, is my strength. And that's what Nehemiah says. Serve with joy. Don't get up angry. Oh, no, I've got to go to church. I've got to be a greeter. i got to be an usher. It's so cold outside. You know, I don't even like our church. I don't like the donuts. I don't have good enough donuts. You know, and don't, don't serve with a bad attitude. You, God would rather you not serve than you serve with a bad attitude. Serve with joy. Serve with friendliness. In John thirteen thirty five, Jesus said this. By this, everyone will know that you follow me. Because you love one another. Because you treat one another so well. You know, people who hate God, people who have been burned by church, I hope all those people work their way to our church. And whether they have a spiritual experience or not, I hope they leave and say, you know what, I'm still not sure about religion, I'm still not sure about God, I'm still not sure about organized church. But man, those people were nice. They were really friendly. I really believe that they cared about me. And if you do that, you'll begin to get a reputation that, People, people want to come to where you are because you treat them so well you know I, I see this over and over again at um, my favorite fast food restaurant and if I were to ask you and, and maybe this question isn't easy easily answerable here because there's there's not one of these in in Lee Summit and there's not one in, in Cass County but by far the friendliest fast food restaurant I have ever been to is chick-fil-a uh, you know, I mean, I, I have been to fast food restaurants that literally throw my food out the drive through window at me, you know, into my car because they just can't wait to get me out the door. I've been to fast food restaurants that are dirty, that are angry, where they don't treat you well. And then you go in Chick-fil-A and it's like they've been expecting you. And I don't know if you know this, but at Chick-fil-A they've been, they, they have what they call second mile service. I got to sit in a leadership deal that their CEO spoke on. And a few years ago they changed their processes at Chick-fil-A where, you know, they say it, uh at every fast food restaurant, people say thank you. And they say, we realized at Chick-fil-A, we didn't respond. We'd take someone's order, and then we'd say, you know, it's 1275, drive around. The person would say thank you, and we wouldn't say anything. They'd just drive around. So they added to their employee handbook that every time someone says thank you, if you've been to Chick-fil-A enough, you know, every time it says thank you, how, how do they respond? My pleasure. They have to do that. It's, it's like written in their code. So when I go there, I try to count how many times I can get them to say <laughs> my pleasure. Like as soon as I pull up, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How can I help you? Hang on just a minute. Thank you. My pleasure. And then I'll, you know, I'll give my order. I'll say, thank you. My pleasure. And I, you know, I'll tell Danielle, I've never got to 10, but I always try to figure out how many times they'll say it is they don't know that I know that they have to say that when I say thank you. But the Chick-fil-A is trying to create an environment where they say it's a pleasure to serve people. Um, and we're not serving people because we get paid for it We're not serving people because it makes our fast food chain money. We're serving people because we enjoy making them happy And I thought man, wouldn't it be cool if we had a church That had that attitude That we're we're here to serve people And it's our pleasure, you know, man. Thanks for standing out in the cold to say Hi my pleasure. Thanks for, you know, we don't need parking people at our church. I don't know if you've noticed, we, we don't have parking issues. We only have one parking lot. There's not a lot of traffic. You know, the only reason we have parking people is because we want people when they drive in to know that we're expecting them, even if there's only one. And some of you, like the thing that you're gifted to do, maybe you're a hunter, you enjoy being outdoors in the cold. The thing you're gifted to do is, is be a parking person in the winter to put on your camo and your hat and get a cup of coffee and just go wave to people. You say, I'm not gifted to talk to people. I really don't even like people, but I don't mind being cold and I can wave. God created you to be a parking person. That's, that's who you're supposed to be. See, we've all been gifted uniquely to, to do those things. And wouldn't it be cool if we had a church, not just of leaders, but our entire church who thought it's going to be our pleasure today just to be nice to people and serve people in whatever way we could. Wouldn't it be cool that if, if when we shut down church, we weren't all tired, but we thought, man, it was really a pleasure today. To serve people spiritually. Now, I know at some point in this message you began to think in your head what you're good at, what you could do, what you couldn't do, maybe what you'd like to get engaged in. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to put off the decision to serve another week. I'm going to ask you in just a minute when we close, every one of you, in just a minute, to take your connection card, to write your name on it, and to say, I... Call me i'll figure out where I can serve and I decided this morning on the way to church This is so important to me that after thanksgiving, I will not call you on thanksgiving day Um, I, you know, i'll not call you thanksgiving weekend while you're out shopping But sometime between thanksgiving and christmas, I am personally going to call Every person who says I will serve and i'm going to try to figure out with you What you've been created to do So that we can plug you into god's church and guess what a place to serve here. And when God calls you to go to another church, you take that position and you go serve there. Because we've all been created to do that. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Don't don't leave today saying, I'll think about it and get back to you. You know, my wife told me the other day, I've, I've, got, um, I've got a lot of weird clock things. Um, like I said, all my watch is five minutes fast. Does, does any, anyone else do that? And like I know it's five minutes fast, so it doesn't, it doesn't ever get me anywhere early. Because uh, I'll look at it and say, ah, I've actually got five more minutes. Um, my alarm clock by my bed is actually 20 minutes fast. Um, the, the clock in my car is seven minutes fast. And you say, why? Because I've told you many times, I'm just very strange. I've got a lot of weird things about my life. I have to sleep with at least one of my feet sticking out of the covers or I feel like I'm in a coffin. You know I always tell Danielle, do not tuck in the corner of my bed. I don't want to be strangled when I sleep tonight. I need my feet... Uh, you know outside the covers don't do that to me if she would do that in the middle of the night I, I would have a panic attack have a heart attack right there in bed because I would just feel trapped You know, I don't want to sleep in a coffin. I, I want my leg To have room to, to move in that so I have a lot of weird things like that, but I will if I need to get if I need to wake up at 6 a.m I will purposely set my alarm clock for 5 30 so that I can hit the Snooze button at least three times because I feel like you know if I gradually wake up um, It'll be better And Danielle confessed. I mean, we've been married for 12 and a half years. She told me the other day, she said, you know, I I never even used the snooze button until I met you. And it's really annoying how your alarm goes off time after time. Why can't you just set it for one time and get out of bed? I said, you know, I don't know. And you know what? A lot of times spiritually, we hit the snooze button. God will speak to you and you'll know, you know, what he's saying, pretty biblical. I need to do that. And here's what you'll think. You'll think, you know what? Tap the snooze button. I'll think about that next week. Tap the snooze button. I'll think about that next month. Tap the snooze button. That'll be one of my New Year's resolutions. And you'll you'll think, I'll come back to that thought. Don't hit the snooze button today. I really believe if everyone in here would say, hey, I want to volunteer. You know what? I'm going to call some of you between now and Christmas, and you know what we're going to find out? You're not ready to serve yet. You've been tired. You've been bruised at another church, and you just need to sit and be ministered to. We'll figure that out together. But we'll also find out where, when you're healthy, where you're supposed to serve. Some of you, we're, were going to find out that, um, you served in an area at another church and you hated it, but it's because you weren't gifted to do that And if we get you in the right area, you're going to love it And It's not because we need your help. We do need your help But the reason we want you to serve is because god wants you to grow spiritually And this is one of the stair steps to get there So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in prayer in just a moment And then i'm going to ask everyone to pull out their connection card And i'm going to hopefully ask everyone in here to say today Call me i'll i'll take a chance Call me and we'll we'll see if I can serve if you've served in another church and had a wonderful fulfillment in that That's your area check it and on the back of the box say this is where I need to serve ushers greeters parking Hospitality set up tear down teaching tech stuff singing playing whatever You tell us and we'll get you engaged in what god Wants you to do now I said this earlier in my message. I'll say it again every sunday at this church The greatest decision you can make is not to serve god. It's to love god and to realize that God created you to be in relationship with him. And if you've not intentionally begun that relationship, you need to today take your heart and put it with God's heart and say, God, I'm, I'm in this thing with you. And I love you and I want to follow you. And I don't even maybe know what that means, but I feel like, God, I'm supposed to begin my spiritual journey. If you've never done that, we don't close a service without allowing people the opportunity to do that. So we're going to pray that prayer. We're going to give people an opportunity. If today's the day they, they want to become a Christian, we're going to give them that opportunity. And then we'll talk about serving and and giving and all that stuff But let's just bow our heads and close our eyes every head is bowed and every eye is closed And god, we just come to you right now in jesus name and for those in the room who uh, today Understand and desire To put their heart together with you and walk with you the rest of their life Even if they don't totally understand that They feel like they're supposed to become a christian And live for you. We want to give them that opportunity So if you're in here and that's your desire today You've never become a Christian, but you feel like you want to. feel like you want to officially begin to walk with God. The Bible says that all you have to do is believe in your heart. But that's what you want to do. Confess with your mouth. That means say a prayer. And begin living your life for God. So I'm going to lead you in a little prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you're here today, God is here. He would love to take your hand today and begin to walk with you through the rest of your life. If you desire that today, just pray this prayer while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just in your heart, and you have to say it out loud, say this prayer, dear God. Today, I desire to start a relationship with you. While I don't understand everything, I do believe that Jesus loves me. And that He came to this earth, that He was crucified, that He was buried, and that He rose again. And that He really can forgive me that he can change me. That he can use me. And that one day he can give me eternal life in heaven. And believing all those things. Today I place my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of the sins in my life. Where I've fallen short of your perfect standard for me. And change me and begin to use me today. I want to follow you. And I commit to do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. Please, nobody looking around. If you prayed that prayer today and became a Christian, would you just slip your hand up just so that I can know it? I won't ask you to come forward, stand up. We won't make a scene. But if you prayed that prayer today, would you just raise your hand so that I can know? Thank you. And God, we just pray for the people in this room who have already made that decision, who maybe one day will make that decision. And God, I pray that they'll take the next step today to begin to serve you so they can know you better, be used by you, and begin to grow. Lay that on people's hearts right now. Not to hit the snooze button, but today say, okay, I'm willing to be used. And uh, Christian, between the end of the year, you and I can figure out where that is. Uh, so today, I'll commit to uh, to taking that next step in my life, and we'll figure it out together. Where the perfect place for me is in this church, and then other churches that I may go to along the way. Lay that on people's heart to do that today. We love you, Louises, in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. Don't move. Grab.